Sup, Brandon. Hey, Chris. How are you doing? Good. How the hell are you? How the hell are you? I'm doing good, too. Did you know that brains can have memory leaks? I mean, brains are... are I don't trust brains anymore. I think they're bullshit. But yeah, I, I'm curious to know in what way they have memory leaks. Because I know that everything that we think we remember is a lie. Brain <laughs> science is horrible. Don't study it. You won't trust yourself anymore. Uh, well, this is going to be a very off- awkward topic of conversation for you then. <laughs> so I've been reading a book called Emotional Intelligence. Okay. Have you read it? No. It seems like a book you might have read. Right? Doesn't that seem like something like, I, it, that is just so Brandon right there? It's extremely Brandon Hayes thing. It is. I know. Amazingly enough, I haven't. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's because I've like, I, I feel like I should have clepped out of that class. I don't think you should. Okay. Actually, I would highly recommend that you, you read it, especially because I think you would get a lot. I think you would like it a lot. For probably for the same reason I've been enjoying it. But I would tell you about a specific thing, and maybe that will help you judge. Okay. So I've been reading this at the recommendation of my boss uh, at work. It was a very good recommendation. You don't. You didn't feel subtweeted? Uh, I did a little at first until I asked him about it, and he was like, no, dumbass, I'm not subtweeting you. I read, I've read this book six times. I think it's super useful, and I recommend it to everyone. And I was like, oh, yeah, cool, 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 cool. I was just worried that that book would be like, Yo, like this was a while ago, and as a society, we're like, I, I, I figured we're like on that next level shit. You got Brene Brown, you got all this good shit with like, you know, Dan Pink and Brene Brown and Simon Sinek and all these people that are like at a meta level on top of like assuming a baseline of understanding of emotional intelligence. And so I'm like, surely I have gleaned whatever is in this book from the absorption. Like I'm eating essentially eating grass by eating beef, right? So there, there is a little bit of that, but a lot of a lot of what the book is doing is basically a, a person saying, I'm a neuroscientist and technology only recently got to the point where we can actually study how brains work and they are crazy. Hmm. And let me tell you how like the brain actually works in all of these things that you may or may not know intuitively already. And a lot of them you probably actually don't know. But in some of you, some of them you do, but I can tell you why they happen and like Hmm. the mechanism by which they happen. And in doing so, you have a much better, the whole point is to give you a better idea of how to control like those emotions and how to like work with them and use them to your advantage rather than let them take over you. Because it turns out, as you will learn in this book, your brain is wired in such a way that your emotions can literally hijack your brain by bypassing the like the part of you that makes you human. Hmm. Like literally through physics. It's actually really cool. Hmm. But the thing that I learned about recently is that brains have memory leaks. I'm going to tell you about it because I think it's neat. So humans have a thing called working memory. It is like RAM. Our brains load stuff into it. And it is what we use to like hold the plot points of a book that we're reading in our head or the facets of a problem or the characters of a show or whatever else. It's also the thing that we load memories into when we're trying to make a decision or just perceive something and understand it. It is the the space that our brain uses to give things meaning and context so that we can do something with them so that we can do something with like the outside world. Mm-hmm. So it turns out that if you have something like anxiety, it doesn't have to be anxiety, but anxiety is like a really good example. And it's a lot of fun. 
It's just a great, it's a good time for everybody. Anxiety is, in your brain, it is like this very rational thing, right? Anxiety is just planning. It's just planning gone awry. Your brain is trying to plan for all sorts of possible circumstances so that it has those solutions at the ready. And the interesting, like, unique thing about anxiety is that a lot of emotions that can kind of run away with you are very triggered by, like, images. Like, your brain processes them in the image, like, processing part of it. But anxiety is processed in the part where language is processed because anxiety thinks in sentences. So you may have, like, an initial picture in your head of, like, a plane crashing and that may set you off on some kind of like anxiety chain reaction. But from that point on, it's all going in as language and your brain is basically just like branching deeper and deeper and deeper and considering more and more circumstances and riling you up in the process as you're doing a thing that feels like survival to your brain, but you're actually just like loading your working memory full of bullshit. Hmm. And in so doing, you're like, you literally have a memory leak. You are reducing your capacity to like use your working memory to actually perceive the world correctly and make decisions effectively because you have occupied it with like anxiety sentences left and right. On top of that, it turns out that memory is state specific, which means that your brain will be biased towards your current emotional state when it is trying to pull memories up. So, like, think about this. The way you perceive the world and the way you make decisions is heavily influenced by the memories and experiences that your brain is able to load into memory. But your brain's ability to load things into memory is affected by your current state. So if you're if you're really anxious, which means that you're feeling threatened, then you have less space for your brain to use, and your brain is only going to pull memories that are corroborate you feeling threatened and anxious what an asshole (laughs) (laughs) and and, like it just chain reactions like out of control until you have like so little left to work with that like you can take a perfectly normal thing and only perceive it as like a life-ending threat because that is like because your brain is just like look this is what we do now okay this is where we live this absolutely reminds me of a tweet this is from a few years ago but it says god i have made mankind angels you fucked up a perfectly good monkey that's what you did look at it it's got anxiety (laughs) yep that sounds accurate (laughs) uh wow thanks thanks brain yeah you ever feel like your brain is like out to get you yes this is from the emotional intelligence book yeah oh i didn't know there was going to be brain science in it. it as much as i like as much as I say I hate it, I only hate it because it makes me not trust my own brain because it, it makes me realize like, oh, like I'm fucking on to you. All right. Do you want do you want one more? Give me one more. All right. I can so handle it. The, the book starts with this and it's literally like called emotional hijacking. It's like the anatomy of emotional hijacking. So when your senses perceive just raw information, they go through your brain, they go into your Something that I don't remember the name of. Thalamus, I think. Hypothalamus. Which turns it into data, right? It takes just like visual data and auditory data and turns it into brain code. It then sends most of that data to your frontal cortex, which mm-hmm. is like the, the your humanity part. It's the yeah. part that like does higher level thinking and has a notion of identity and all these other things. And your, your cortex takes that and it asks for parts 
for other contacts from other parts of your brain. One of which is your amygdala. Yeah. Hey, amygdala, amygdala, what are you saying? Yeah. Ah, ah, exactly. Ah, exactly. Ah. So your amygdala is all emotion. So it's like, okay, I just got this raw, this raw information. I don't really have, like, I have it, but I don't have any context for it. Amygdala, like, give me emotional context. And then, like, hippocampus, give me, like, rational context. And so the example it uses is that, like, if you see a face, your hippocampus is the thing that tells you that that face is your cousin. And your amygdala is the thing that tells you that you don't like her very much. So I said that it only sends most of that signal to your frontal cortex. But it also sends a little bit of that signal directly to your amygdala, which is separated by a single neuron. So it is like literally physically closer by a significant distance than your frontal cortex. Which means that... When you hear people talk about like having snapped and done something that like then they're like I'm better than that or like I never would have occurred to me, what probably happened is that their brain literally short circuited itself because the information went straight to their amygdala across a single neuron, which is like an immeasurably small distance, and the amygdala immediately had a response before the frontal cortex was done receiving the information. It had no opportunity to not do the thing that it did. It was helpless. Mm. So you couple that with the fact that your brain, in order to stay um, coherent, has to justify the connection between the two. And you go, well, yes, of course I'm being threatened. Uh, bad things are happening. But I think, I, I don't remember where I heard this, but this is in the, in the same vein. And it kind of is to your prior, uh, your prior point of sort of backfilling data yeah. to justify. So your, your amygdala is like, hey, you know, you should be scared right now. Yeah. And you're like, should I? Well, let's think. And it runs through all the reasons. Maybe you maybe you should. And it's yeah. like, yep. And it loads that routine in. And you're like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, remember how you said that dumb thing earlier today in a work at work and not everybody laughed at your joke or whatever? And you're like, yeah, I do remember that. Now I feel horrible. And it, yeah, I've definitely um I've lost uh I've lost some hours of sleep to to this really <laughs> fun phenomenon. So here's the other like awesome part about the thing that you just said. Your amygdala will also give you that story and it can be completely made up. No. And the example that he gives is like he was sleeping one night and he heard a loud sound that woke him up and he jumped out of bed because a, a like box in his attic had just fallen through his ceiling onto the bed and he just like lightning sprinted out until he realized that nothing had fallen through the ceiling and he actually doesn't have an attic. <laughs> <laughs> but like that was the story that his amygdala was just like, this is what's happening. You have to run. Oh my it, God. it was actually a suitcase that just fell over. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've had that experience too, where you like hear a noise in the middle of the night and you're like, okay, I don't know if I dreamed that noise or if that was a real noise, but there's definitely somebody that just broke into my house. That definitely happened. So that's all. Yeah, it's fun. Thanks. Wow. This is an emotional intelligence. The book Emotional yeah. Intelligence. It's so yeah. like it is it is not remotely what I expected at yeah. all. It is it is all like, yo, your brain is crazy. And here are ways that like I am telling you how it works and how strange it is so that you can like when you feel a thing happening that you're like, "Oh, I know this feeling, but I don't know what it is." Now like I'm literally explaining to you what is happening in your head at like a scientific level so that you can like begin to do it's really cool man i recommend it all right 
I will. Okay. I'm out of audible credits, but as soon as I get one, I'm, that sounds like something I'll listen to at the gym. Ever since, I think it was you that actually got me started weightlifting. Just a quick check-in mm-hmm. on weightlifting. It's going great. Yeah? Uh, yeah, it's fun. To get stronger is fun. It turns Do out. Do you have calluses yet? Do you have like the nasty yeah, on that, palm calluses? It, they're not too bad because I'm like 75% machine weights and then 25% okay. free weights. Yeah, I haven't gotten. I'm not there yet. And I'll probably be that. You know, it's sort of like. Do you remember when skateboard pads and helmets were cool and Tony Hawk was doing this shit in like the late 80s, early 90s? And it was all like neon colored. And now it's super uncool to have pads and helmets like, nah, (laughs) breaking your elbow is cool, kids. (laughs) All right. You know what? Whatever. It's fine. But I actually remember when pads and helmets were like socially acceptable. That's how old Mm -hmm. I am. I also remember when I was lifting weights as a a cool teen, uh, everybody had wrist straps and gloves. Mm-hmm. And when you look around the gym now, ain't nobody wearing weightlifting gloves. That is not mm-hmm. a thing that you would mm-hmm. look, you would look like you might as well, you might as well like have a mullet. You might as well like walk in <laughs> wearing like a Steven Seagal t-shirt and, and have a mullet. Like there's there, it is deeply not cool to have weightlifting gloves. So I guess calluses are cool. I mean, so that's interesting because my gym is very different. Like I, and I don't go to like a weight, like a, like a diehard weightlifting gym. I go like I go to a lifetime fitness, but hmm. I see a lot of weight belts and straps and gloves. Really? I see none yeah. of that stuff. Yeah, I see a ton of them. Weird. And chalk. You know, like what? I, I see people walk in and change shoes when they get to the squat rack. Wow. Not all of them. I mean, there's there are lots of people who don't do that, but there's there's always people there who do do that. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. I noticed at the gym over just over the last like three or four years, people's exercises have gotten a lot weirder. You know, like, (laughs) do you remember when going to the gym was like, listen, you got like five things you can do here. And we've got like 15 machines that mostly do the same five things that you can do with free weights. So over here's your free weights and benches. And over here's the machine shit. If you're a wuss. And then over here is the exercise. Over here is the cardio equipment. The end. And now it's like, okay, here's where you're whipping big giant ropes around. Like, okay, great. Thanks. Yeah. That's a great fucking use of space. Yeah. <laughs> we have one of those. <laughs> like over here is the, is the guy this, even this morning over here is the guy walking across the gym, carrying a special barbell that you stand inside and walk around in. Like, you know what? I didn't, I didn't ask to go to a gym where everybody's fucking walking around with all, like all their weight equipment. Like it, it, it used to be so simple, Chris. It was so simple. You watch the movie Pumping Iron. You do what Arnold does. And then you're like, hmm, this is probably not going to work without steroids, huh? Now it's all newfangled and weird. Also, I'm pretty sure there's at least one YouTuber at my gym because I've absolutely seen them like selfie video camera, like standing in the squat rack and just talking into their phone while like selfie camera. And it went on for long enough. I couldn't hear what she was saying, but I could hear the tone of it to be able to tell that it wasn't a back and forth conversation. It was like a monologue. And after like five minutes of just like hearing this out like to my left, I was like, this has to be a YouTube video. Like I can't imagine what else it is. I'll have to send you the picture I took of the guy who like pulled up in in a bunch of a row of empty Stairmaster thingies pulls up right next to me and immediately pulls out his phone and starts yelling into it. (laughs) (laughs) Why? <laughs> the, the, those people imme- should immediately go to jail. So, and then there is a actually a famous YouTuber that is uh, at our gym, but I don't think I never saw him selfieing. My son just recognized him. I don't know. I, I'm 
deeply revealing my age. I couldn't possibly tell you why this person is famous. Uh, but my 10 year old son thinks he's amazing on YouTube and he's like, Oh, should I go talk to him? And I'm like, I actually, you know, normally I, I tell my kids like, don't like when we're in LA and there's famous people. I'm like, don't bug famous people. That's, that's a thing. If they're a famous YouTuber, fuck it. Like, (laughs) I don't respect your right to privacy. You obviously (laughs) fucking don't. Yeah. You already invited them into your life in a weird way. Yeah. No. Jim. Yes. If, if somebody hears me and is like, kid, like that's just, that's probably cute. cute. Yeah. It's cute. You, you can get away with a lot. I almost let him go talk to famous people uh, when, we, when we were at this concert in L.A. He was like, oh, that's the guy that does this thing and this thing. And I'm like, yep, that's the guy. And he's like, oh, I should go say hi to him and tell him I love his work. And I'm like, I think that would sound really weird coming from a 10-year-old. He would probably think I put you up to that. So, no. He would probably melt from how endearing he was. <sighs> yeah. It would have been sweet. But we didn't do it. We just listened to the concert like a bunch of chumps. <laughs> oh, yeah. Actually, that is a accidental segue into our next topic. This one is a little bit more of like a potpourri because we've been hitting the bricks pretty hard on stuff. And (laughs) we actually have like all these topics that we've been like trying to talk about, but they didn't feel like they were either too big or too little to talk about. And so there's something I've been wanting to talk to you about for a while. And I actually can't put my finger on exactly why, other than I think it's fun to discuss this stuff with you. Okay. And I want to talk to you about music. Okay. But I want to I, I want to dig for like the most embarrassing version of this conversation that we could possibly have. Wait, wait, so, wait. I, before we do this, okay. I want to talk about this other thing because I think I think we might be able to use it when we talk about music. Okay, okay. Set the stage for me. I want to talk to you about the McDonald's scale. I don't know what that is. That's good. I'm glad. So I learned about this a little while ago and then forgot about it and then out of nowhere remembered it again and like. I, th- I thought it was hilarious the first time, and it was even more hilarious the second time. Okay, I have to interrupt you for a second, because okay. I just realized, when you said McDonald's scale, literally the first thing I thought of was putting a scale in McDonald's, which would immediately shut down all business happening at McDonald's. <laughs> like, <laughs> everyone not- would immediately turn around and leave. Okay, not that. Okay. It, it, I think it's technically called the McDonald's alignment scale. <laughs> okay, so like, like a D&D alignment chart. Yes. Okay. Yes, kind of, yeah. Yeah, so this is like a thing. It it is like a scale on which you can plot the character. Like you can plot actual characters or a characterization of someone or something. And here's how it works. First off, I want you to close your eyes and let me take you on a journey. Okay, you're actually closing your eyes, which is good because this is very serious. Imagine that you are in a car with three screaming kids in the backseat. This is very easy for me to imagine. I figured it would be. You are driving down the road and you see a McDonald's and your kids yell, McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. They're very excited and they really want to go to McDonald's. You can have one of three responses to this happening. And these are the three points of the alignment scale. And you are plotted as like being, you know, somewhere in this spectrum. The three responses are number one, you respond in kind excitedly. McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> number two <laughs> you go through the drive-thru and order a single black coffee <laughs> and, then, and then drive away <laughs> and number three is you say, <laughs> I'm sorry the second one just got me again <laughs> I was just imagining my kids <laughs> I love that one <laughs> 
Yeah, so number two, order a single black coffee and drive away. And number three is you say, we have food at home and keep driving. <laughs> okay, is my wife in the car or is it just me? Just you. Oh, okay. It's just it, you. This is easy. So, like, you can, so you can think of, like, all right, like, how would you, like, let, like, char- like as a thought experiment, characterize, like, like front-end web frameworks. Elm, absolutely, McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, React? Single black coffee? Yeah. I think single black coffee. Yeah. Angular? Absolutely, we have food at home. Yeah. Ember <laughs> Am- is like, no, 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 we have everything. Yeah. Like roll up your I, windows kids. I think Ember's definitely we have food at home. Not, sure. not only do we have food at home, there's actually food in this car right now. <laughs> <laughs> Reach under your seat. <laughs> Jokes on you. This yeah. seat is made of sandwiches. <laughs> you get beef jerky and you get combos. Yeah, so that's the McDonald's alignment scale, and I think that it is amazing. And I want to try and use it whenever possible. Wow. Well, it's so funny because if I think about like key figures in my life, I'm McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. My oh, wife yeah. is we have food at home and my dad is single black coffee. <laughs> See, like it's so intuitive. It sounds so ridiculous <laughs> and then it's so intuitive. hundred percent tracks. <laughs> so now we can talk about music. Now we can talk about music. Thank you for sharing that with me. <laughs> You're very welcome. Yeah. I wonder if that will reveal anything about us uh, as we, as we, what, wait, what's your alignment? Oh, man. I mean, I, I got probably single black coffee, honestly. It, it's <laughs> I'll like, buy that. It's, it's somewhere between McDonald's, 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 and single black coffee. It's definitely not we have food at home. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so, we wanted to talk about music, the kind of music that we listened to as we were growing up. I don't remember why this originally came up. It was like in service of, I don't know, some deeper insight we were trying to get at. But and it turns out we I'm jettisoned that. Yeah. I don't, get, I don't give a shit where we were trying to go yeah. with it. I just want to yeah. talk about music with you. Well, exactly. there was another thing that like uh, it was sort of part of a discussion about like coding music, which I think we'll probably get to. Because mm-hmm. I think music is actually a really big part of people's modern remote work existence like music ambient noise ambient sounds whatever like is i'm shocked at how big a role that actually plays in people who like do knowledge work but like everybody's got sort of their origin story and mine is extremely embarrassing so i figured i should probably share it i'm so psyched i have a guess okay actually go for it i can give it or not nope I, in fact, we should guess each other's musical. Okay, okay yeah, let's do that. Yeah, uh, do you, this is do you more want to fun. go first, or do you want me to go first? Do me, do me. Okay. So I'm not going to try and guess everything. I'm just going to, like, I have, like, a facet. Yeah. My guess is that you were a deep Dave Matthews Band fan, and so much so that you referred to him as Dave. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> wow i actually i called them dave and tim oh oh god because his guitarist Man, tim reynolds though is a really good guitar player. he's a really good guitar player like an amazing guitar player yeah wow thanks so much for that <laughs> all right what's what's yours what's yours <sighs> to do to you yeah i am gonna guess 
you had I'm trying I'm trying to think of a cleverer way to say it than this, but you had a favorite tool album. Like you felt like Maynard peaked at a certain point. <laughs> <laughs> that one's not as accurate. Okay, I, okay. I definitely like you're you're in the right ballpark. Okay. I do like Tool a lot, but I actually didn't get into them until I was an adult, mm. strangely enough. But you are definitely in the right ballpark. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. I, I want to hear your story first. Like, you tell me what you were what you were doing. I just felt like you were hooked into the music of Rebellion. I feel like you, okay, you and see, the music of Rebellion was like, you're like, fuck yeah, take that, society. Yep. And you had, uh, you had the, the ninth and tenth grade philosopher's view of the world yes. through music. You are, now you are dead on. Okay. For a long time, I didn't really have any musical opinions. Like, no joke, the first... I remember when CDs came out. And I was, I was pretty young. And we got, like, a, a boombox that had a CD player. My parents were like, okay, you can get one CD. And my first CD was the Top Gun soundtrack. Yes! Because I didn't... I, a, the Top Gun soundtrack is fucking awesome. And B, I literally, like, I had no musical, I, I could not have named a thing that I wanted to buy. And so, but I like Top Gun, so I bought the Top Gun soundtrack. I think, I think we all went through that phase where it was like, I don't know, music? Yeah. Something. What is that? Like, I got into stuff. I liked, like, the same thing that most middle school people liked at that age, which for me was, like, rap, rap rock, like, Limp Bizkit, new, like, corn, oh, Jesus. all that stuff. Remember yeah. that? Yeah, that happened after I graduated, but yes. That, that was, like, what everyone was into. I was into it, too. But then around in high school, like, ninth grade, I absolutely was, like, the punk rock kid that had the jean jacket covered in, like, extremely parent-frightening <sighs> patches. Mm-hmm. And I listened to bands with names like Choking Victim and oh, yes. Leftover Crack. <laughs> um, and a lot of classics. I really liked Dead Kennedys, which mm-hmm. my parents also were not wild about as a band name. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I still listen to this sometimes. A band called Refused that had an album called The Shape of Punk to Come that is still very good. And weirdly enough, one of their songs gets played at like baseball games sometimes, hmm. which is never, it's always con- like confusing when I hear it. <laughs> oh, like, man, just like a lot of like hardcore, so deeper, like, deeper track. These are actually like, I'm, I'm kind of sad because this is actually kind of cool. Yeah, I was, I was kind of a cool high schooler in that way. I'm not yeah. going to lie. Like, I mean, like there were like, you know, nerdy high school things, but like I was really into it. Like I would like go to record stores in downtown Dallas and like comb through stacks of records, tr- literally trying to find like really obscure punk albums. And then I would listen to them. Yeah. And I would have, I would have put you in like into tool and Coheed and Cambria and stuff like that. But you actually had like co- even cooler tastes than that. I liked, I, I liked those too, but like, no, it was, it was definitely like punk punk first for sure. Mm-hmm. Punk and then like metal. Punk, if I had to, like, I put a finger on something that continues to play into my, like, everyday psyche, it is absolutely the fact that I listen to, like, really serious punk rock music starting in, like, ninth grade. That explains a lot. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I don't know what democratic socialism is, but I know that I like it. But I... Exactly. I know I want it. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, like, I didn't really... It's funny, I kind of, like... It was all there, and it was absolutely, like, ninth grade philosophy bullshit. And then it, it, it waned heavily. Like, 
you know, I, I eventually hit the point where I was like, this is unsustainable. Uh, and I don't really know what all this means. I know what some of it means. I mean, I was also the kid who like read Noam Chomsky books in English class instead of listening to what my teacher was saying. <laughs> So like, that was that was me. Then I, I like went through a phase of like knowing that, that wasn't doable, and then like later on filled it all back in with actual knowledge, <laughs> and then like it just kind of came full circle. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's who I am. That's where I'm at. Mm, okay. Wow. Yeah, this is gonna be way worse. Just <laughs> buckle up. So I grew up. I think most people kind of grow up either defining them their their musical taste by what their parents like or against what their parents like and then they come back around to liking what their parents like later in life Mm -hmm. like you know your dad's into james taylor or whatever and you're like fuck this guy and then you you turn like 40 and you're like you know what actually i get it his voice it's yeah golden and wonderful Mm -hmm. yeah you you learn to like stuff on you know unironically and you're like oh i get it okay but for me, I was the, I very much did define my early taste in music by what my family was into and my dad, because my dad was the cool one, you know, like maybe it skips a generation. My dad was already cool enough. And so he was like super into like Van Halen and like light metal of the time, like, like scorpions and shit like that kind of hair metal, but like the better end of hair metal. And so it was like enough for me to be like, uh, that's, this seems fine to me. There's nothing broken about it. But by the time I was in, you know, junior high or whatever, that was like considered classic rock. And so as soon as I graduated to listening to things that weren't, weren't direct hand-me-down albums, you know, like my dad gave me Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 when I was like 11 or 12. And he's like, hey, this has a lot of swears on it. So just, you know, don't <laughs> don't go crazy or whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't have any idea what you looked like at 11 or 12. But I just had this image of like mini Brandon holding a, a Guns N' Roses album and just like having like your eyes wide at the notion of like being given a thing that contains a lot of swears. Yeah. I was like, it's very good. Yeah. I was very, um, you know, I was a super rule followy kid. And so being given something like that felt very, uh, felt like its own form of rebellion, except for this is literally given to me by my dad. You know, like there was not a lot of rule breaking going on. And so I, I I never really like aligned myself with the kids that were doing the rebellious shit. So that came much later in life. And so I had genuinely embarrassing, taste in music so we had art class and i would like i'd be like y'all need to check out this chicago album it like it fucking bangs <laughs> 25 or 6 to 4 it, it was 25 or 6 to 4 it is a fucking classic don't yeah their guitar is ruled so like yeah i i i somehow struggled to make connections with other people based on the basis of music and then like the minute that i got my own sense of taste in music it was just so i don't know how to explain it what like light alternative genre was this where I feel bad that you missed this phenomenon probably, but there was like BMG music ordering thing mm-hmm. where you could order like 10 CDs for a dollar. Oh, I remember the, I remember the tail end of that. So if you would order like 10 CDs for a dollar, then you could cancel and then you could start it again, but it was supposed to be like a subscription service and they were really very shady about the way they, they did this whole thing. First it was Columbia house. Then, well, if you're kids under 18, they cannot do shit. And so like they would like send collection notices and my dad would be like, you can just call them and tell them you're under 18 and they have to drop it. Uh, Cause they weren't supposed to sign you up in the first place. 
And so I think I did that like four or five times. I probably had, by the time I graduated high school, I had somewhere in the neighborhood of like 200 CDs. Mm -hmm. uh, I had a respectable CD collection, uh, which at the time there was no such thing as burning CDs. So yeah. that was like right before that became a thing. Yeah. So the stuff I got really into was, yes, Dave Matthews Band, everything Dave Matthews. That was like heavy rotation. Mm -hmm. uh, Blues Traveler. Very oh, deep. Oh, man. I went hard okay. on Blues right, Traveler. Right. I, went, I, I went hard in the paint for John Popper and, and the boys. I'm trying to remember what else fit in there. Peter Gabriel. Like, I, now I love Peter Gabriel again, but for different yeah. reasons. Yeah. Sting. Like, dude, this is not good. Uh, Phil <laughs> Collins. I had the musical taste of like a 42-year-old single guy living in a studio apartment in like... Yeah memphis or something so it's amazing to me that like uh under 18 brandon was like that like this is i mean it, it's amazing like your your dad's influence here like under 18 brandon was like 100 percent hustling a music subscription service <laughs> and just like calling collection agencies and going nope and amassing a collection of like fucking dave matthews <laughs> cds <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it was heady times, man. Yeah, I mean, it's you know the dichotomy. It's just, it's so good. All the ant, all the ants were marching. <sighs> so then, what happened? Like, cause, cause that to a degree, like that's still there's still like an absolutely a part of that in your musical taste. Like, it's, not it's in there for yeah, sure. Like, like you, you like you. Like, uh, what Phoenix, like is Phoenix is one of your favorite bands, right? Yeah. I mean, Phoenix is a great band. Phoenix is a for, great by band. The way. They're, they're, they're almost French house. Like they're like an acoustic yeah. French house. So like I, I, they're weird, but yes, I do have sort of like this, like light alternative sensibility still mm -hmm. where Phoenix, there's a band called may that I really love a lot. And they're like a piano driven spoon, like a lot of like lighter syncopated, you know, like, I don't know how to describe it, but like not heavy stuff. Wait, May like M A E? Mm -hmm. Nobody knows this band. I know this band. How I, would, I had friends who listened to it when I was in high school. Really? Yeah. yeah. They're they're still one of my very favorite bands. I don't know how to explain it. Their music is just like, and it's I don't know. It's got this weird sort of like like Christian rock vibe on accident. But I think they anyway. It's not that's not my scene. But I really like the band. I'll tell you what snapped. This is oh boy. This is getting a little personal. I served a Mormon mission. I don't talk about it a lot. It was a fine time, but I, you know, being not a good Mormon anymore, it feels weird to talk about having, you know, gone out and done this. I was also, there was a period of time on my mission where I, it broke me. I was like a very strict rule follower. And then I met the coolest person I ever met in my life. Probably I he's in your category of self-assured, knows what he wants out of life, doing his thing, fuck the system. And he's like, look, I'm just here because my family needs me to be here. And mm -hmm. I was given this guy as a companion. I hated this guy. I knew him and I hated his guts because he thought he was so cool. <laughs> and, and as I got to know him, I was like trying to make this thing work, like this like companionship. And you're together for three to six months. And so here we are together for a few months. This guy doesn't want to go do work. He doesn't want like, you're, he, you know, missionaries, do you know what missionaries do? They just knock on doors and talk to people all day mm -hmm. uh, and make appointments. And he didn't want to do any of that stuff. But he loved riding his bike around. He had a special schedule where we're supposed to get up at six in the morning. And he's like, I can't do that. That doesn't fit with my physiology. And he had a <laughs> special accommodations made so we could stay up till midnight and get up at eight. 
uh nobody Amazing. that no missionary does that in the world and this i don't know like this was just so weird the whole thing was so weird and i grew to really love this guy and he saw he's like man you're such a dork but you could be so cool this is literally what he said he's like man you're so close like you could be so cool and so he really worked on me and he was trying to figure out like it was like one of those 80s movies he's like no no no, this is like a dare i'm gonna see if i can make this dude cool it was like clueless mm -hmm. or or whatever mm -hmm. so he carted around a pair of like speakers and a subwoofer with him around the like you are not supposed to like listen to music at all actually and so like he's carting this thing around he starts introducing me to like some music i'd never listened to before like mm -hmm. super gangster rappy stuff and so it was like west side connection and uh notorious big and tupac uh, DMX was really big at the time and so we would we were in this like apartment complex in the absolute like roughest part of town and the the neighbors next door were like oh yeah these are the thug mormons and we would like sit out in the parking lot and throw the football around <laughs> and like pull our speakers out and blast rap music at full volume until like 10 30 or 11 at night get the cops called on us one of the cops was in our church congregation and he was actually <laughs> like our liaison to the congregation yeah. and he would come out in full police uniform and he'd be like what are you guys doing over here <laughs> we're like we're proselytizing brother like <laughs> Oh. And, and the, the people there were like, it can't be these guys making all this racket. They're Mormons. They don't do anything. Yeah. The perfect cover. The perfect cover. Anyway, that time was like, obviously like, so when you, when you ask like, Hey, you know, when, what shifted, it literally shifted in like three months and yeah. I was on a completely different, like uh music trajectory. And like, I, I spent probably too much time trying to like, be cool like that person and pretend to be that person before I figured out like who I am. Yeah. It was fun for a hot minute to actually be cool. I was like, Oh, this is what it's like to be cool. I, I think I like that. Yeah. Uh, and then it was like, no. And then I figured out, Oh, this is super overrated, <laughs> but yeah, like, but, the, but some of that stuck, like I really love, I love rap. I can't mm -hmm. get into trap music. I'm really struggling. I'll let chance get away with it. Mm -hmm. like he's he's good but like man trap music there's like my 10 year old is super into that stuff but i i i love that i can't i can't not be a nerd about it so like i'm mm -hmm. super into the history of rap uh, maybe i'll link to the podcast there's a really amazing podcast about the history of hip-hop mm -hmm. from like the most notable songs and they have this dj that actually puts it together and stitches it together and does great transitions and everything like he's doing a dj set but it's one per year every year that's cool. Yeah. From, uh, so this is this, they did this 10 years ago where they put together, you know, from 1977 all the way up through 2010. And then the podcast, I had my podcast feed from like five, six years ago mm -hmm. and it went dormant obviously. And then it just started popping back up a few months ago and they're doing the 2010s now. And oh, that's cool. It's cool. So like, but it's funny because that's kind of when I stopped getting into new rap music. And yeah. so like hearing like, oh, this is, I missed all this stuff when it was new and, and out. So anyway, I really, I've come to really like hip hop. That's probably like the genre I list most. So like near adult contemporary level, soft pop and, uh, mm -hmm. and, and hip hop. Those are like my two like go-tos. Okay. All right. Yeah. What are you, what are you up to today? <sighs> uh, well, you mentioned programming music earlier, which is like a different thing. Yeah. 
if I'm not programming, I don't know. I mean, I definitely have a really broad, it's like a much broader range of music. Like I, there's a lot of rap I listen to. Definitely still listen to a lot of the like old punk bands. One of my favorite albums is still London Calling by The Clash, which has been for a decade or more. I listen to a lot of metal. And like, I also have like, you know, every once in a while, I like to listen to The National, which is like absolutely what my 33-year-old ass is entitled to do. Yep. So. <laughs> yes, you are loud like them. Although, man, like I, I, I like their, like some of their older albums, but then I watched, they were like on some late night show in the last couple of months and I watched it for like. 45 seconds and I had to turn it off. I was like, I cannot handhold the degree of like self-indulgent bullshit yeah. this has turned into. Yeah, it's moved into like <laughs> self-parody. I think there, I, w- I won't name any bands, but I feel like a few bands that I really liked moved into that territory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also listen to Tool a lot now, funnily enough. Good news, everyone. Uh, Tool's catalog on is Spotify. finally on the internet. Yeah. You couldn't even buy it on iTunes. You could not attain it legally anywhere. I think De La Soul is like that, and it's starting to really piss me off. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll come around. If, yeah. Like, Maynard James maybe maybe send, send Maynard over there. Yeah. Like, he was, like, the biggest holdout. It's finally on. I've been loving it. They had a lot of really good stuff. This is going to bother me. Did May have an, a song called, like, All Deliberate Speed? Yes. Okay. That's that's the only May song I know. Okay. My friends in high school listen to that song all the time. That's so weird. They're super niche. Yeah. That's a... I mean, they're, like deep in some pocket of some kind that I don't even know how it came up for me. And I was like, what is this? What is this magic? I must know more. I mean, I just think of them as being like super niche emo. Yeah. It's, it's as light as emo possibly could get. Yes. 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 (laughs) Super Um, light pop emo. I don't know why I love May and I hate dashboard confessional. Somebody science that That up for me. I can't, I really can't. (laughs) (laughs) It's like splitting an atom. Uh, do you like the mountain goats? Have you ever listened to the mountain goats? No. Oh man. I think that you would like the mountain goats a great deal. I'm going to write that down. It's actually one person. It's a man called John Darn, Darnell Darnell. He writes incredible lyrics and he, his, you will listen to it and you will think like, this kind of sounds like a Christian rock band almost Mm -hmm. like a guy with an acoustic guitar singing. And then you'll listen to the lyrics and they will be devastating oh no and or or so clever or like i mean it's just he's so good yeah okay yeah yeah i I will check that out i'll send you you some links i'll send you some links i want to talk for a minute about like programmer music because when for some reason we were talking about clever lyrics i was like oh that's like i mean it reminds me of like jonathan colton which is like Mm -hmm. literal programmer music but that's that's not really what we're talking about no this is like music to work to yeah which is it it's so bizarre that this has emerged as a music genre. Hey, yeah. like, don't bother me too much. I mean, I guess music has been a thing for like music to shop to, music to yeah. sit in an elevator to. Like all that stuff has existed for, you know, 75 years or whatever. But like it's just now like everybody's like in like buying this or or like streaming it or whatever. Like it's a thing that you actually that consumers get into now cuz so many people are putting headphones on while they work because open office spaces are horseshit, which we should talk about someday. What is your like go-to? Do you have like, 
personal music go-tos. that you like? Okay, yeah. Teach teach me what you do. Three go-tos. Okay. Two of them are very similar, and then one of them is completely out of left field. Okay. So I have uh, two soundtracks. I also like you know you may not know this about me, but when I started going to college, I started in community college because I was really very seriously considering the idea of being a music major. And before I wanted to commit to that, I like wanted to try it because like the college I would have gone to would have changed dramatically based on whether or not that ended up being true. And I wanted to score movies and TV shows. So I really like those. And so like I have, I one is a movie soundtrack, the social network soundtrack because Trent Reznor like that is like one of the best scores. Yes. Like that's like one of the best movie scores of the last, I don't know, decade or more. It also turns out to be like, like of course, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross get together and make this like ambient moody thing that it's like amazingly perfect to work to. Like I can just listen to it over and over and over and it just works. The next one is the soundtrack from Doom from like the 2016 Doom <laughs> with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. No, 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 no the video oh. game. Sorry, the video game. Oh, okay. And it's this guy named Mick Gordon. Okay. Uh, the soundtrack for that game is like incredible. Uh, he also gave a talk about the process of writing that soundtrack. That is the best software development talk that isn't about software development that I have ever seen. I recommend like I'll put a I'll put a link to it in the show notes. It is incredible. All, like all the lessons in his like process of writing the soundtrack to this game and having to like work with the studio and all of the legacy of like what Doom is and the expectations around it. But it's also just like if you like metal, uh it's just I mean it's just a really good like metal soundtrack. And the third one that is not like those two at all is Paramore. Paramore the like okay. pop punk ba- emo band that's I guess is still a little bit around. Yeah, for sure. But th- there's two reasons for that. One, they're actually they're just like they just like write really good songs. Like it's just good. But also it started because like the lead singer Haley Williams. Like I've had a crush on Haley Williams for as long as Haley Williams has been a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and like that's just, like it's just like part of my life now and she's also just like a, a stone cold badass like she is an awesome singer she is just like when you see her if you ever seen like videos of paramore performing like immediately you were like holy shit Haley williams wow she's not playing and it's just, it's just like so it's just fun to listen to it's just like if i need to get kind of like amped up and i don't want to have to like listen to like some punk band scream at me which is like a lot of fun sometimes but not when i'm trying to get work done it's just like just the right amount of like melodic rock music with a person who i think is a great singer and yeah like it's awesome i love it it's great Hmm. okay uh i'm i might give that a shot okay so for coding like i love that you brought up the the social network soundtrack Mm-hmm. That was actually the first soundtrack I ever pair programmed to. And oh I, wow! I was I was with a, I was with somebody in Utah, and I was like, "Hey, I I really love coding to this soundtrack. Uh, let me turn it." He, he's like, "Yeah, do you have any music to to program to?" And I'm like, "Yeah, let me let me play you what I programmed to." And it was that exact soundtrack. And I was like a brand new like learning to program at the time, and really excited to program with this like super experienced, cool, nice person who like volunteered to like, I came over to their house and we became good friends after that. So I start playing this and he's like, 
nope, I hate it. I hate this so much. And I was oh, like, that no. makes sense. Well, it was like, it was Utah. This, so he like pulls up, he pulls up like this K-pop playlist that he like listens to always. And I was like, K-pop is an interesting choice to try to program <laughs> to. I don't know how your brain works, but it's not the same as mine. That's like getting needles stuck in my brain while I'm trying to code. <laughs> I really like the social network soundtrack. It is a go. I mean, I could just do, yeah, it's on loop. The other one that I can do on loop basically is the Tron legacy soundtrack. Oh, that, yeah, that's a good one. Like that's like a pro it's funny. Cause I think I'm like, that's such a deeply unoriginal thing now. Like every programmer knows that soundtrack, I think mm-hmm. where it's like uh, kind of techno, but kind of orchestral and very backgroundy. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't know what it is about that, but it's like formula. Like I mean, it's the it's, perfect it's formula. Daft Punk. Like that's yeah. what it is about it. <laughs> well, it's not very Daft Punk because it's in like in the it really sticks out from the rest of the discography. That's, that's true. That's true. But I have yeah, I have a Daft Punk soundtrack that I kind of run through. And and the important thing for me is that it's familiar. Like I can't mm-hmm. do new music and try to do something creative. But if it's something that I've heard enough times to background, and I feel bad because I'm like not discovering new stuff, but I can't be discovering new stuff and doing creative work like i just i i i'm some people can do that i can't so the other thing for me is like when i need more energy where you go to like like pop punk i go to a uh like late 70s sort of pop punk new wave band that said hey what if we took punk music just shaved all the edges off it and just made it just smooth and round and spherical (laughs) and then ran it through the reggae filter and then you have the police oh okay okay all right uh, cool 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 and so the police discography like synchronicity or like all of it all of okay. i mean ghost in the machine i think might have been the last or was it synchronicity one of them was like kind of you could feel a drop off in quality on their last album like you could just kind of it was but the first one it like just pops right in with the like and it's like instant energy and fun and it's bouncy and it's not too serious and you're like so coming from somebody who was like a Sting fan as a kid, like, oh, hey, Sting. And he's like doing these like gross ballads and playing the lute and shit. And now as an adult looking back and going, wow, he was really cool. He was actually cool like 35 years that, ago. That's actually, that's weird ago. to me. It's weird that you are a Sting fan and then a police fan. <sighs> that's another one of those things where yeah. I was listening to like adult light alternative stations on the radio Oh man, do you remember when you used to compare notes with somebody and you're like, oh, what radio stations do you listen to? And you got mm-hmm. a sense for like, mm-hmm. that's, I doubt that's a thing anymore. Anyway. I don't think, I don't even know what the radio stations are where I live. Yeah. I don't think I've used the radio in my car. I'm always shocked when I hear people that are like, oh yeah, do you know that radio commercial? I'm like, how the fuck <laughs> would I know a radio commercial? Uh, my wife listens to the radio and I'm constantly perplexed so by it. Yeah. I have been plugging an iPod into a car stereo since iPods existed. Uh huh. Before that I had an MP, like I had the dorkiest car stereo in the world because it would play back MP3 CDs. And yeah. I had my, I literally would manually structure my file system that I would burn to CD in such a way that it would like properly play everything in the right yep. order god i remember i remember mp3 cds as being like the coolest shit i it was this was the first one that you could buy on the market it was like this iowa it was kind of a piece of shit as a stereo but it could play mp3 cds yeah and so i'm like i had like like 10 cds in my car and it held a gajillion songs or whatever it was impossible for me to even imagine like 10 yeah. albums per cd so yeah it was uh i haven't listened you know i haven't listened to the radio in my adult life I think yeah. that's like 
I've never owned a home telephone. I haven't listened to the radio since I was like 17. Uh, I think you're basically a millennial. I'm, I want to be an honorary millennial. Can I please get that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're basically a millennial. I don't know how to operate a savings account. <laughs> that, that, I don't know. That might make you not a millennial. Nothing's ever my fault. All right. Now, now. Whoa. Oh, easy. Whoa. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely hew toward the millennial side rather than the Gen X side. It feels yeah. it feels bad to be lost without a generation. Well, I think the millennials will maybe take you. Yeah. They're all getting old now. We're all getting old now. I say like I'm not a millennial. Honestly, millennials. like millennials and Gen Xers, like late like er, late Gen Xers, early millennials, we're all getting hip replacement surgery at the same time, okay? <laughs> Let's not kid ourselves. Uh <laughs> they're going to dump us all into the same retirement home. Yeah. We're going to be arguing over whether like whether Stone Temple Pilots was overrated. Oh god! Oh man, that I haven't thought about that man in a very long time. Jeez, <laughs> I think they were under they were overrated early and underrated later. Okay, hot hot Stone Temple Pilots take. Man, I have no Stone Temple Pilots take other than I just remember they had this one music video that I I, I could not I just was so tired of watching it because this was back when you had to watch MTV to like see new music. It was like, oh man, like I remember when MTV2 was a thing and they would just play like alternative rock music videos. They would have like these hours where they like that, like where they would just play like stuff that would never like you were surprised that they even made music videos, much less that they were being shown on TV and they would do it for an hour and I would just sit there and watch it and like write band names down. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. You're like, don't don't get any Sharpie on your flannel shirt. Yeah, because there was no internet. Like, I mean, we had the internet, but like there wasn't like a pitchfork where you could go and just like read about all the cool new music coming out of like the entire world. You just had to kind of like figure it out. I remember getting a CD-ROM for the first time and manually putting track information in for every CD that I popped in because there was no CDDB yet. I didn't have the internet. I don't know yeah. that, that such a thing existed on the internet yet. <laughs> So, uh <laughs> so good you used to have to work so hard yeah honestly music. like all the all the stupid all the time i spent doing computer stuff that happens for you automatically now is yeah that's it's incredible so yeah it's unbelievable anyway kids these days am i right <laughs> man we had other topics but like no I, absolutely we've, not we've okay so final question though now we have to rank our musical taste using the mcdonald's scale Ooh. So I think I think on on music I am undeniably single black coffee. Absolutely, there's not <laughs> even a, a shadow of a question. But with you, I'm not sure. How do we align that? I mean, I I still feel like it's McDonald's, McDonald's, McDonald's. Like okay. I, like do you, there's a scene in Dumb and Dumber where they they keep pitch, picking up hitchhikers. They're like, oh, that person needs a ride. Pick them up. Like that's yeah. my musical taste. Like all right, yeah. Let's let's listen to this. Okay, here here's my take. I think pre Mormon missionary Brandon was 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 we have food at home. Yes, absolutely. Post Mormon missionary, it was like you were coming out of that into you were like moving up the side of the triangle towards McDonald's, 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 and now you're fully there. There's I'm no on, more we have food at home. I'm Mount. I'm definitely the king of Mount McDonald's. Yeah. See, I'm telling you, man, the McDonald's scale, it just, it just gets it. <laughs> it does. Everything in life is better when you place it on the McDonald's scale. 
Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad I could give you that gift. Yeah. And that we can share it together. You know what's great about uh, this conversation is we had no idea where it was going to go. I really thought we were going to talk about music for like 10 minutes because there's no there's there's no meat on them bones. And I, I thought we had interesting like programmery topics to talk about. And, uh, and instead we've given our audience like the billions episode part two. Yeah. I, you know what? I'm going to say it's better than the billions episode. Yeah. I hope so. Jeez. Are you serious? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I would never go back and listen to that. I can't, I can't say that at all. But I would record a billion season four rewatch podcast. I haven't gotten to that. I'm in the middle of succession and, uh, I'll record a succession rewatch podcast all day. Yeah, that one, honestly, I think it might be better. I think it 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 is it is absolutely like Billions is a good guilty pleasure kind of show that has like good moments. Succession is a level of television making virtuosity. Yeah, that I find staggering every episode. Yeah, we need we need to come back to to, to we need to come back to Succession. I was yeah. First off, you didn't tell me that it was Adam McKay and Will Ferrell yep. producing this shit. Yeah. Like, and I was, and th- somehow they stepped their game up from Anchorman Two. Like, something <laughs> happened between Anchorman Two and this. That well, I mean, Adam McKay got into making like The Big Short and Vice. Yeah. Uh, like he Both kind of got a good. taste for that. Yeah, and he's like. Yeah, let me show you what I can actually do. And then on top of that, it actually is also very funny. Yep, Succession, yes. so good. I didn't think I would like they they don't they don't fuck around. Like it's nope. not a spoiler to tell you like watching Brian Cox, one of my favorite actors of all time, pissing on a rug uh incoherently was uh whew, that was that's a, yep. that's one way to open a show. Yeah, there it is. It is. There's an episode where they go on a bachelor party. I haven't gotten there. You will know exactly what I'm talking about when you hit the moment that I'm talking about. Like you'll just you will watch that episode, and there a thing is going to happen, and, and you're going to be, like, well, and you are immediately going to text me. I guarantee you. I just remember thinking, "Wow, Brian Cox is really dehydrated. <laughs> <laughs> that guy needs to drink some water." Yeah. All right. Well, everyone, thank you so much for coming on this wonderful journey with us. You know what I want to know? Genuinely, what are we missing? What's not on our musical radar? that we need to program to. I'm not writing as much code these days, by which I mean basically any, but I still put my headphones on and do creative work. So uh, if you have suggestions, please get at us at copy paste pod that we, we definitely check that. We actually just opened up. Hopefully this is still open by the time we release this. We have a form that we released on Google, not on, you can't just see it. If you go to google.com, it's not that, it's not top <laughs> level on Google.com. It's a couple of directories. Our SEO down. game is just like it's not quite there. Yeah, don't just Google surveys and then hope that you find ours. But we will paste a link into our show notes, and uh, we'll have shared it around social media, asking for people to uh, give us your your thoughts about like what's weird about working in tech. What questions do you have for us? What would you what would you like to see us talk about in the future? We've gotten great suggestions in the past, but we would love to build out a really solid backlog and and have. Lots of fun stuff to, to discuss uh, with each other and, you know, sometimes maybe with you. You magical chosen few. Yeah. It's, uh, you never know. So maybe we'll hold a contest. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a horrible idea. But there, yes, there are people that we've talked to sort of on the sly about maybe bringing on a guest at, at periodic times. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, this isn't going to be like a guest interview show, but sometimes guest panelists can be good. So if you have suggestions on who you'd like to see do that, that would be fun too. So again, get at us at copy paste pod on Twitter, rate and review us on Apple podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, and let us know what you think. I'm to Viking on Twitter. If you want to reach out to me and I am 15 letter max. And we thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you again next week. Bye y'all. Bye.